Amy, we've got a bunch of little nieces and nephews between us, but we've also got a catch-all gift that all of our siblings love for their newborns. You're totally right, and it's Pampers Swaddlers, because Pampers Swaddlers wick wetness away to keep babies drier and subsequently parents happier. Pampers Swaddlers absorb wetness better versus the leading value brand and provide up to 100% leak-proof skin protection and up to 0% skin irritation. Pampers Swaddlers are dermatologist approved by the Skin Health Alliance. They're hypoallergenic and they're free of parabens and latex. Now you can try Swaddlers with new Pampers Free and Gentle Wipes for healthy baby skin. These wipes won't tear. In fact, they grip mess, shall we say, more firmly and clean better, leaving baby skin dry, soft, and smooth. For trusted protection, trust Pampers, the number one pediatrician recommended brand. Download the Pampers Club app today and earn Pampers cash. Redeem your Pampers cash for exclusive Pampers coupon savings and rewards. Only redeemable via Pampers Club. Pampers Cash has no cash value. Hello, everybody, and welcome to What Fresh Hell? Laughing in the Face of Motherhood. This is Margaret. And this is Amy. And today we're talking to Ophira Eisenberg. She's a Canadian-born stand-up comedian and writer. You may remember Ophira as the host of NPR's comedy trivia show, Ask Me Another. Ophira is also a regular host and teller with The Moth, and her stories have been featured on The Moth Radio Hour and in their best-selling books. Her comedy special, Inside Joke, is available on Amazon and iTunes. Ophira is also a parent to a six-year-old and the host of the new comedy podcast, Parenting is a Joke, co-produced by iHeartRadio and Pretty Good Friends Productions. Welcome, Ophira. Hello. How are we? So good to have you with us today. We're so excited. So we talk a lot on the podcast about pivoting. It's going to be kind of a theme of our year for moms, you know, figuring out kind of what's next. And you had a, a fairly major pivot in terms of having a career and then having a child. Talk a little bit about going from a comedian, stand-up host, a job that primarily happens, in my experience, Late at night. Yeah. yeah. After dark. After dark. <laughs> to suddenly having a child. <laughs> yeah. I say if you see a comedy show at 2 p.m., that's not going to be a good comedy show. If someone ever invites you to a day comedy show, it's not going to be the best people. No, any form <laughs> of adult entertainment, the day shift is not what you're looking for. So, you know, I constantly reflect on this. And one of the main things, right, doing something at night, especially with a little kid, there's no school that also starts at four. Let's just say that. I heard that Celine Dion, because she does her show in Vegas at night, when she had a little kid, the kid woke up at like two in the afternoon. They were on a complete, her school was like a lady came and taught her at home. So unfortunately, not being Celine Dion, that's not available. But that blew my mind when I heard that. I was like, well, there is a way to do it if you're Celine Dion, apparently. Like you just, everybody shifts their schedule. Y'all wake up at two in the afternoon and then you're night owls. And I actually think when you have a baby, like preschool, you can do that. And I know some comics that did do that. They were just like, we all are on the same schedule. So the baby's up all night. Yeah. Yeah, but then at a certain point, kindergarten starts and you're kind of host. Kindergarten starts and you have to be part of it. So yeah, you really find out a lot about, I mean, you find out as a parent a lot about your energy level in general. And then on top of that, it's just there is no way around late nights and early mornings. And I live in a small 
apartment in Brooklyn. So it's not like, oh, the noise down the hall, down the flight of stairs. <laughs> the staff in the other wing will take care of this while I get my beauty sleep. <laughs> yeah, it's just like we're all in it. Ophira, did you know that you wanted to be a mom? Was that like, I'm going to fit this in here somehow, some way? Was it something you always had in your mind? Was it something that became important to you at some point? How did that go? Yeah. Oh, yeah. No, I was pretty adamantly against it the whole time that I was an adult. I was like, nope, not for me. I'm the youngest of six. So I also was just like, all my brothers and sisters have tons of kids. I picked a totally different lifestyle. I don't get it. I also, you know, this is, I think other women go through this. I didn't really feel like I was nurturing. Mm. I did not feel like I was, like when my friends would go like, when you see a baby, don't you just want to like grab it and like eat it and stuff? I'm like, what are you talking about? Not familiar with that. Yeah. I came from the same story. I feel like Amy, you were, because Amy's the oldest of six. I think you had that natural like... I love a baby, caretaking, like you were looking forward to it yeah, in that way. But I, I, that's why I, I asked, because for me, so I was an actor before I came to this part of my life and motherhood and everything. And I knew I wanted to be a mom. Like that was a non-negotiable. But I felt like by the time I got to my mid-30s, I was either going to be, this is what I told myself, I was either going to be as famous as Julia Louis-Dreyfus, who then could like have as many kids as she wanted, right? Because she was on a long-running show. <laughs> she was they, on the Celine Dion plan. Yeah. Exactly. Like nursery on set, whatever you need. Miss Louis Dreyfus, or I like wouldn't have gotten anywhere. And then, you know, the writing would be on the wall and I'd quit. And of course, there's a huge gray area in the middle of working actors that I fell into where it was not nearly so easy. But I did know that it was coming for me that I wanted to be a parent. It's a tough industry. If you have met the kind of success that you met, were you concerned? Like if I do become a parent, am I stepping off this thing I've spent my whole life building? Oh, 100%. No, I mean, the way it was... I looked at it beforehand as, especially as a woman, as career suicide. Honestly, it was just like, well, that's it. And maybe it is. And honestly, and I say as a woman, I know everyone's setup is a little bit different. But from just a very traditional point of view, I did know guys in the comedy scene that were fathers married to women. And those the women were very traditionally the primary caregiver. And he, as the main breadwinner, could travel and have his own schedule. And that was just the way they laid it out. And I knew that was not going to be how I wanted it or how it would just play out in my life. So when I made the decision, it was basically just, I mean, it was just like, let's throw chaos at chaos. <laughs> right. <laughs> We're already, that's what I always say about having more kids. I'm like, you're already in it. Like to me, zero to one kid is the hardest. And then for me, I have three Second and third, it's like, we're already doing it. You know, we're already at the circus. So another bucket of popcorn, who cares? You know, we'll throw one more clown in the ring. We're already in the show. And so I think that's right. To go from like chaos to chaos. So you already have a chaotic life and you're like, we're just going to throw this in. Now, is that how it worked out for you? Did you find the addition of the baby just like, all right, it's another brick in the chaos wall? Or did you feel like, wait a minute, I just ran into the brick wall? I feel like I felt more like I ran into the brick wall when I had a kid. 
Oh, yeah, I ran into the brick wall. And one of the things I noticed about my career, which I think is kind of specific to either freelance or entertainment, is the way I moved in my career was that I just said yes to everything, like almost every offer, every offer that seemed like it had a reasonable whatever. Mm -hmm. I just said yes to that was how you did it, because you never knew. That's how we comedians do it. (laughs) Yes. And that's how we roll as improvisers. Right. Yeah. And then I couldn't do that. I just couldn't do that. Like physically, emotionally, mentally, where was the time? And I couldn't wait to see if a $200 gig in Poughkeepsie had a payoff at the end that I, you know, like, oh, maybe there is someone. I just had to go, no. So, you know, when you read a lot of stuff out there, I think that is mostly, actually, it is very uh, pointed at women about like the power of no. (laughs) And I was always like, I'm not into the power of no. I'm I'm into the power of yes. So whether I liked it or not, I had to learn the power of no. And it's hard. But at the same time, all these other comics, women and men, different kinds of situations started having kids. And so I looked around and thought, okay, all of a sudden, there's a whole bunch of people doing it. I don't know yet how it is going to change the industry because I think it's pretty new that a lot of people with some career footing became parents. So will there ever be a daycare in a comedy club? No, there will not. I think that's probably for the best, frankly. (laughs) I'm trying to picture it and I'm thinking, let's not do that. I mean, the daycare at the uh, gym is problematic enough. Amy's kid got bitten on the face at the... uh, Oh my God, I have two kids who have been severely injured at the gym babysitting. We stopped going after number two. Yeah, so definitely the comedy club daycare is going to be a step down from the really bad gym daycare. So that's probably not going to work. But it's funny to think about just anywhere that you can shove a daycare that you're like, no, let's not have that social service. We talk about all the time, like when I had my first kid at 37, but friends of mine who had babies in their 20s often would be like, they'd still show up at like the hip sushi place that turned into a disco. And they're like, it's fine. The baby's just coming with us. And it's like, honey, you're going to realize at certain point that these two worlds, do, there's no overlap in these Venn diagrams. Like get a babysitter or come it sucks and for come everyone. or don't come. But there is no like, I'm going to keep partying with the baby on my hip. It's just not going to work. I have the perfect example of that, which is uh, SantaCon was last month in New York. And that is this, you know, one night event where everybody dresses up like Santa, kind of like just a Santa hat and bar crawls. Like it's known as like stay home tonight at SantaCon. Literally, the flashing lights in New York are like, do not come to this city. It is SantaCon. Yeah. Everybody stay where you are. Well, you know, so I live in New York City, so I'm out and about on SantaCon. And anyway, I saw a young hipster couple in matching holiday pajamas and Santa hats heading out for SantaCon with the baby and the baby Bjorn and like holiday pajamas and a little Santa hat. I'm like, don't, I wouldn't bring a baby to SantaCon. Nobody's going to enjoy themselves. Nobody in that bar will be happy, right? I mean, that is the thing when they sell, you know, my friend also was just one of these people that did the like the little baby noise canceling earphones and went to see live music. And I was just like, how? And, you know, what do I know? That's just my perspective. Maybe that kid will be like, I remember seeing like a Joan Jett when I was four <laughs> and it's going to be like great. But from me, I'm like, this is totally not fun. I want separation, though. Me as a human person, I want separation from things I find fun and my child. <laughs> And I think the acceptance that those two things are different things. Again, if you're Chris Martin and Gwyneth Paltrow and your six-year-old has the Norse, like, 
That's you. You're Celine Dion. But if you're not, I do think at a certain point, when you see the noise-canceling headphones, you've got to think, I might be making some wrong choices here. I've done this before where, you know, I will get completely enamored by someone being like, come to this party. And I'm like, no, no, I can't. I have a little kid. They're like, no, no, no. It's cool. Come on, just bring them. We'll all have a great time. And I get in this thing about like, maybe it is like Norway. And or I don't know, this I have the idyllic idea <laughs> of like in Scandinavia. Park the baby outside, you mean? Like this in the stroller? They're all up front in the, in the cold? Yeah. Yeah. And then we could all hang out and just it's going to be great. And then I get there and, you know, like the theme of the party is bourbon and broken glass or just like, you know, it's just like not like there's a reason. Not bourbon, broken glass and babies. Yeah. That's not the theme of the party. <laughs> yeah, there's a reason why there's... I don't love a Chuck E. Cheese, but I understand why it exists. Right, right. A dedicated space for such things. Yeah, yeah. It's just like lean in. That's what I always say when people are like, I, we drive a minivan. I have three kids. Of course, I drive a minivan. The people who are like, oh, I would never, a minivan. Like, oh, you're not cool. It's like, honey... The minivan is not the defining factor here. Like, cool has left the building. The minivan is playing a very tiny role in that, and it has a clicker so I can open the doors. And so I think you're misdefining what's making me uncool. Like, it's the fact that everything is off. I'm not cool on 75 different levels, so I'm going to have the clicker that opens the doors. Absolutely. I mean, I have a a pretty cool haircut. And that's the last thing I've got of cool. I got a cool haircut. (laughs) Well, I mean, I was I have this down on my questions for you. I feel like you are cool. Like you are a cool person. You have a cool haircut. You have a cool look. You have a cool job. And I mean this with love because I'm speaking for myself with this question. Is the fall from cool more precipitous when you've lived a cool life? When I, I used to live in LA and I knew a lot of like hot video girls and I think for them, their 40s were very challenging in a way that maybe they weren't for me because I was never a super hot, like I was never filming the video on the hood of the car in a bikini. And so it seemed to me their fall from, you know, hotness was very marked. Is the fall from coolness more marked because you've had a sort of cool career and been a cool person? Do you feel the sting more deeply? Yeah, lucky for me, I never had the self-esteem to embrace whatever I was in the beginning. So it's subtle. (laughs) Got it. That does make a difference. You didn't sell other people may have identified you as cool, but you didn't self-identify as cool. Got it. I was like, no. Yes. And I do, I do sometimes think like the, you know, I wish there was a way to reclaim or just maybe claim for the first time the idea of a cool mom without it being like leather jacket and bedazzled jeans and like holding up a glass of Zinfandel on a deck or something like that. Like I want it to be something else. And it's also not, I am just so independently wealthy that I can like drive around with my kid in a Mercedes and do homeschooling at 6 p.m. There's got to be like, we got to create some new icon here. It's missing. It's missing. There's a large gray area, right? Okay, we're talking to Afira Eisenberg. She's the host of the parenting podcast. Parenting is a joke. And we'll be right back. Margaret, I've got a go-to baby shower gift that I give whenever there's another newborn in my life. Can you guess what it is? Amy, three guesses, first two don't count. It's Pampers Swaddlers. 
Exactly. Pampers Swaddlers keep baby skin dry, happy, and healthy. Pampers Swaddlers absorb wetness better than the leading value brand and provide up to 100% leak-proof skin protection and up to 0% skin irritation. Pampers Swaddlers are dermatologist-approved by the Skin Health Alliance, hypoallergenic, and free of parabens and latex. Try Swaddlers with new Pampers Free and Gentle Wipes for healthy baby skin. These wipes are five times stronger, gripping mess more firmly, shall we? say, and making diaper changes a breeze. For trusted protection, trust Pampers, the number one pediatrician recommended brand. Download the Pampers Club app today and earn Pampers cash. Then redeem your Pampers cash for exclusive Pampers coupon savings and rewards. Only redeemable via Pampers Club. Pampers cash has no cash value. Amy, you know me well enough to know that my daily power breakfast is... Toast with peanut butter on top. Toast with peanut butter. It's also, by the way, one of my favorite power breakfasts. So we agree on that thing. We were recently together and we shared some toast with peanut butter. And I'm going to tell you, we used Hero Bread. It adds even more protein and fiber to that combo without adding any more sugar. Hero Bread has remade the carby, empty calorie bread products into versions that include no net carbs, zero gram sugar, and fewer calories, plus more protein and fiber while still being super fluffy and delicious. I was not sure that that particular combination was going to be possible, but Hero Bread has figured it out. Yeah, this is one I'm glad they let us try. It's like, it really tastes good. I've been trying to add more protein to my diet, and I would have thought that a hamburger rolls was not the place to do that, Amy. <laughs> but all of Hero Bread's products, from rolls to tortillas to croissants, we please, offer protein and fiber, zero to one grams of net carbs and zero grams of sugar. Start your Hero Bread bundle on their website and get 10% off your order. Go to hero.co and use the code motherhood at checkout. I like this bread, people. It's H-E-R-O dot C-O and code motherhood for 10% off your order of Hero Bread. So, Ophira, I wanted to ask you about being a working mom because you are a working mom who travels a lot. We have lots of listeners who travel a lot who aren't necessarily comedians, but how does that work for you with a six-year-old at home? Yeah, it's rough. <laughs> I mean, you know, it's so <laughs> funny because when, and I was just talking to someone who travels a lot too as a comic and, but her daughter is three and she was saying she feels bad and she does the airport toys, you know, where you're buying like the $24 teddy bear that is wearing like a sports jersey that from a team that you've never talked about. <laughs> from Yeah. <laughs> Because you love the Milwaukee Brewers so much. So, but when, you know, they're more in like the six-year-old range was pretty cognizant that you're leaving and it's a different conversation. At one point I was leaving and my son did say to me, like, you're leaving again and even said basically like, what do you like better doing that or me? Mm. Ouch. Right? Ouch. <laughs> oh, I mean, like, you you're know, like I'm it's <laughs> travel kids. Sorry. I've done the numbers. I've run the numbers. Yeah, I'm going to be in a hotel by myself. What do you think? So we have cable with the Real Housewives and it's not looking good for you, kid. Even though it, I'm still so conflicted often inside of my soul as to what I'm doing. And then I also think, by the way, just another thing that men have been doing this for years. This is just feels different because I'm a woman, too. But men have been doing this for years. OK, so I do say to him, I love what I do. My greatest wish for you in life is to find something you love to do. And for me to love what I do, this is one aspect of it. I was listening to your interview with Rachel Bloom and she quoted, oh, it was um, Turning Red. 
And she was talking about this conflict of traveling and the guilt over traveling and that the mom says to the kid in the movie, the farther you go, the prouder I'll be of you. And that you were kind of laying that groundwork a little bit for your kids, I think, in being independent and traveling and saying like, hey, I have both a life with you here and a really exciting life with whether it's my pharmaceutical rep job or I'm a comedian or I'm Celine Dion singing whatever that song is on the Vegas stage that saying to kids, being out in the world and contributing to the world is something that is very valuable and it can be equal to the value of raising you and being with you. That's right. And, you know, there is, I don't have a lot of disposable income. I'll just throw that out there right now. I live in New York, <laughs> like you, Amy. Join it's, the club. Yeah. It's very expensive. You know, we put our kid in like a music lesson and a swim lesson. We're like, well, that was 2022. <laughs> you know, we're done. No fresh underwear for us this year. <laughs> But there's an article in Forbes that was being passed around, and it was about like high-level women in business, whether we're talking investment banking or CEOs or whatever, and how much they outsource of their lives and how much they are afraid to admit how much they outsource because there is still this feeling that if you're outsourcing, maybe, you know, like your laundry, your housework, your organizing, your travel plans, your childcare, that you're not a good mom. You're not a real mom. Yes. Yes. Even if you're doing... 75 to 100% of the uh, invisible workload, if it all falls on you, anytime I've gotten help with any of that, I have felt a lot of guilt about it until I realized that I shouldn't feel bad about that. I should be grateful for that. Absolutely. So, you know, one of the reasons I think somewhere in the back, all of this stuff like drives me crazy. Like I'm like, why isn't there a space where I could be a mom of a new kid in this world and do stand up comedy? Why isn't there a space where I can outsource a few things and not feel bad about it. Why isn't there a place where I can feel cool at, at this place in my life? So I guess I had a baby out of spite. <laughs> Huge. <laughs> I think that's probably 90% of it. Getting a little labor and spite. Those are the thing, the magic formula to motherhood. No, and we, Amy and I talk about this all the time. We know somebody who's extremely, extremely successful and Amy ran into him somewhere and they were both away and the guy was like, oh yeah, I have a 10 day old or something, a brand new baby. And he wasn't like, and I'm sick to be away from him, but blah, blah, blah. It's like, oh no, I'm just, you know, I had the baby and now I'm back to regular life. And I do think a lot of it is that gendered role of like, if you had run into a woman who was had a 10 day old baby at this event, you would be like, what are you doing here? Shouldn't you be home with that baby? The people said that to me. Right. At like three, four months when I was doing shows, they're like, what are you doing here? Mm. And I would go, what am I doing here? <laughs> like I questioned myself. <laughs> Wait a second. Yeah. But you're earning a living, right? I mean, you're not going to the comedy clubs because it's fun. You're doing it because that's your, your work and you're good at it. Yeah. And at the time, that was especially the job doing Ask Me Another, you know, that was our everything. That was paying for everything at the time. And so on your podcast, you talk to both experts and comedians. Like, I'm thinking of yes. Emily Oster and Ossel. Yes, our one expert so far. Yes, that's true. So expert. <laughs> I guess I should say yeah. not expert. We try to be like, okay, here's what the real people say, and then here's what the people who are actually in the trenches say. And so how do you find the divide between talking to comics and maybe hearing parenting advice? Like, what is the perspective, I guess, that comics bring to parenting? 
So, so far, all of the comics I've talked to, some of them, you know, always want to be parents. Some of them, it sort of happened and here they are, or they are with a partner who really wanted a kid. So they changed their mind or were more open to it. But all of the comics are very much, they find it like, there's not a lot of things in your life at a certain age that are new. I'll just say that. Yeah. Right. So the newness is very creative. There's so much creativity in something that is your first time. You know, they are just buoyant with all this, like, this is crazy. And who didn't know this? And it's such a good perspective on humanity in general as a creative person to have a kid. I mean, there's nothing like it. You see yourself, you see the kid, you see society, you see how society's changed. It's just a font of just new things to say. And then everyone is also like, I don't know what I'm doing. This is a mess. <laughs> the great bit of knowledge the experts bring in is, oh, yeah, nobody knows what you're they're doing. Right. And even the experts, even Emily Oster says that, right? She's like, by the way, nobody knows the answers to these questions. And it's kind of fascinating talking to her because she has as someone who actually is gaining this data, reading this data, interpreting real data, and then her experience. I'm just saying the data wrong now. But for example, 99% of babies will sleep better when they're sleep trained. And yet, Emily Oster, with that data in her face, could not be in the same house while it was happening. Because there's an emotional component that isn't reflected in the data. Yeah. Everything is so complicated. So I love that. What about being a comedian? How do you think that shapes your parenting, by which I mean to say like, okay, so she's an expert and she's bringing her science to it. I feel like it was always, it got me through the craziest times thinking like, this is a great story. I'm going to get such a good story out of this, even if it was just like for my friends. Do you think that having that perspective from the moth and from your being a comedian, does that shape how you look at parenting day to day? I try. I mean, there are times where I've lost it. <laughs> Really? I am not the distance between the thing that could be a great story and the story were very far from each other. But it does actually, I will say it does kind of help if I'm here all day with my kid. I mean, I'm just thinking like weekends or whatever when we're not doing school, school's a whole different thing. And then I'm like, I've got to go and I hit the club. It's a brutal shift. Let me tell you the transition from like, I was a parent all day and now I'm going on stage and being independent and fancy free. But just having that shift where you then get to look back at where you were all day and find it so... You even say to someone, you're like, my kid put his knee in this pie I just made. And they're like, what? You're like, you know, and you screamed at the child. <laughs> I know. Because they put a <laughs> knee in a pie. Yeah. The other thing that I love listening to your podcast is I think that comedians, by their nature sort of cast, as Amy would say, a gimlet eye on the world. <laughs> like they look at a situation, everyone's in the same soup, but a good comedian has an ability to look at that soup and be like, here's the one ingredient that's truly crazy. And you've seen it, but you didn't notice how crazy this one thing is. There's just something about the way comedians talk about it, where they find that one little odd thing that everybody has seen, but nobody's noticed yet. Yeah, I think like sometimes I have some ideas of that stuff. And then I'm at a club in New York, full of tourists and people that are in their 20s and 30s often, you know, and you want to throw that out there and you go, how insidery is this to this experience? Or how universal is it? And it is amazing how universal it is. 
every once in a while you're just like, oh, this is yeah, like I'm in a space. And I think someone who is also in the space would be like, oh, that's six year olds or whatever. But for the most part, it is like everyone's like, but that's who I am. That's who I was at 17. Like the little psychological ways that we all work with each other, the dynamics between a six-year-old and me as the parent who doesn't know what I'm doing is just something that everyone's like, that is me with my boss. That is me with my parent now. That is me with my friend. It's amazing how it's all the same, really. It's the same, but it's like that specificity Chris Gethard talked about on your podcast about being the guardian of his septic tank. And like, that is the version of like, I used to be cool, but now I'm like checking my kids poop so that nothing weird goes in the septic tank. Because the kid dropped a bobby pin. Yeah. It's such a specific reference to like, I think I'm cool, but now I have a minivan, but he thinks he's cool. And now he's like gone from like club comic on the road, like being actually cool to the guy who has to worry about what goes in the septic tank. And there's a specificity that comedians get to that just captures things in such a funny way. It is my dream, by the way, to get angry at someone and hopefully they're outside of the minivan and I get to press that clicker you were talking about, the remote, and just slowly have the door close on their face. Close <laughs> upon them. Yes. Like yes. Billy Porter's hat. Remember the hat he so had that good. had the fringe that so shut good. in front of his face? I just picked up an adult friend of mine the other day with no kids and he went to, he's pulling at the door. I'm like, don't touch the door. Click. And he was like, whoa, excuse. I mean, it's basically a limo ride. Like I am the driver and I will click the door and it will open for you magically. We don't have to get into a lot of tugging. I've got a minivan. Oh, that's how you break it. I'm rolling to a party in Manhattan and I'm picking up people in the minivan and I'm like, don't touch the doors, please. Nobody would be upset. No, everyone would be like, sweet ride. Let's do this. I know. They really were. They were like, this is a sweet ride. Let me yeah. tell you. They're like, I've got a couple Amazon boxes I need to return. Can I bring them? Listen, you want to know <laughs> me when that moment comes up. We are talking to Ophira Eisenberg. She is the host of the podcast Parenting is a Joke, and we'll be right back. Margaret, I've been at the research again, looking into metabolic health and more importantly, metabolic flexibility, which turns out is the key to improved energy levels, better sleep, better fitness, all the things. And I found out about all this because we got a chance to try Lumen, the first handheld device that helps you manage your metabolic health. Lumen works when you breathe into it. If you do that first thing in the morning or after a workout, Lumen measures your metabolism by measuring the amount of carbon dioxide in your breath. It's science, people. That lets you see exactly what's going on in your body in real time. Then you use Lumen's app to get tailored guidance to improve your sleep, your nutrition, even stress management. If you're interested in figuring out the effects of different sorts of foods on your body, Lumen is a really cool way to see what's actually happening as your body burns different Different fuel sources. If you want to take the next step in improving your health, go to lumen.me and use Fresh to get $100 off your Lumen. That is L U M E N dot M E. Lumen.me and use the code Fresh at checkout for $100 off. Thank you, Lumen, for sponsoring this episode. Margaret, it's an exciting news day. An exciting news day indeed, Amy. A few years ago, we launched our first spinoff podcast, Toddler Purgatory, hosted by the hilarious Blair Brooks and Molly Lloyd. And guess what? Now Blair and Molly are back 
with their all-new podcast, Unsticking It. You know Blair and Molly as two busy moms and actors, and somewhere between potty training and the pandemic, they both felt like they lost their creative kaboom. In their new podcast, Unsticking It, they are going to talk about how all of us can get back to what lights us up after motherhood. Amy, I need this. Me too. And Blair and Molly will be talking to fellow imaginative minds. We're talking actors, artists, and creators of all kinds about how we can all unstick ourselves from whatever muck we're stuck in. Follow, subscribe, and listen to Unsticking It wherever you get your podcasts. That's Unsticking It with Blair and Molly, because sometimes life stucks. Let's talk about what should they teach in parenting classes. Now, I only took one parenting class. I took one, a pre-birth class, and it was mostly very disturbing videos that really, I don't know if I should have seen the childbirth videos. I was like, I think I would have been better off not seeing that beforehand. And then they talked a little bit about like schedule and sleep training. But if you were running a parenting class, what, what topics would you address to really get parents ready? Okay. Well, one, I had something called back labor. Oh, I've heard of that. Never had it. Yeah. See, see, see. So that is like they skip over a couple things that they're just like, yeah, I don't really want to talk about. It's a bit messy. (laughs) So they just jump over it. There's a reason they don't tell you that. I also think there should be a little time just taken and they say it nicely, but they're trying to be like every relationship is different. No, guess what? Every relationship is exactly the same. Your partner the best person on the planet, could be a therapist, could be a birth instructor themselves. They will be useless. They will be absolutely useless. Because <laughs> they're freaking out. That is something they should teach. What can they really do? My poor husband, I had a quick birth. And so I didn't get an epidural. And we had had the whole plan of like, this is how it's going to go. And then of course, it went like I had a baby in the car, basically, like I had the baby while they were wheeling me in. At some point, he was like, do you want to try some breathing? And I was just like, are you insane? Like, what? he had his little notes, like he was so ready to go. And guess what he was? useless. Yeah, I love that I put together a playlist. Like, what fantasy land? Oh, yeah, birth plan <laughs> playlist. <laughs> I did too. My husband started with the U2, and I'm like, what are you doing? And he was like, only doing exactly what I had instructed him to do. Start, play the U2, and then I was like, turn that off. I was so, just like, no sensory input, please. So That is a really good parenting class. You are useless, and that's okay. You are useless. And again, like, everyone has a different setup, but the parenting birth classes and whatever pre-baby class are for both people. Uh, that makes sense to me. Separate it out. Right. For the people who are going to be standing there freaking out, and the people who are going to be going through it. It's different yep. knowledge required. I'm one of four kids and my dad was at none of the births, you know, for the first couple. And then they threw him in at the fourth. And he's like, what the heck am I doing? I was much more useful sitting out in the lobby than I was standing around here trying to like, what? I'm I'm not a doctor. I'm not giving birth. I'm just standing around getting yelled at for offering ice chips. Yeah. And I will say that I did a mistake. And it is, I didn't do it because this is actually kind of a Jewish thing. I did it for very personal reasons, is that I didn't want to order a thing, like a crib or a pillow or a thing. This is a tradition. Like, you don't get a stick of furniture, nothing, until the baby is born. You don't get a stick of furniture. Oh, no, 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 no. No, no, no. Like, when I see those cribs with the name over it, I'm like, ah, it sets off my Irish uh, juju. You know, it's going to be bad. I felt like a weird anomaly, and everyone was like, that's weird. And there's another thing for birth classes. They put a lot of time into setting up your nursery. Right. And I was like, I'm not doing it. But if there is someone else in your life that can secretly be like, hey, uh, 
Heather, can you uh, just have a crib on standby in an Amazon box that we can just like uh, show up with? Like, I think you actually need to get a bunch, you know, some stuff. It takes a village. It's not the East Village, as I've learned, but it takes a village. (laughs) And you can do it. I have a friend who ended up with a baby, a surprise baby. She was fostering and got a baby in six hours. Surprise. And I just ran over and I was like, here's my old pack and play. And, you know, I set up the whole room in about six hours. You don't need to plan for months. You don't need to do, you know, the year's worth of nursery. You can do it in a drawer if you need to. But like, yeah, have a friend on standby who can set up for you. That's a great idea. Just have like a classified ad ready to go out for whatever your neighborhood social thing is, whether it's next door or whatever it is. Yes. That's just like as soon as that baby's in your arm. Who has stuff? Because people are just dying to give stuff. People love babies and they love getting rid of their baby stuff. I just saw a video on Facebook over the weekend that was like, can we start doing this for moms? And it was instead of a baby shower with a cake on the shape of a diaper, whatever, all that stuff. It was six or eight women coming over. You could do this right after the baby was born. It was like the women descend, you unpack the diapers, you fill up the changing table and they showed somebody putting together the sandwich packs that you're going to wear in your underwear for a while, like somebody like prepping those and putting those together and getting them in the freezer, the breast milk bags, like whatever. Mise en place of all the things you're going to need. We call this. We call for this. Mise en place. (laughs) I mean, if we lived in a different society, you would just go, that comes with it. That just comes with it. It's just part of it. The stuff you didn't know you needed. Did you see um, Amy Schumer's HBO miniseries, Expecting Amy? Really great series. But I thought it was so funny watching it because the sort of point of view of the series was like, nobody knows that there's this thing called like hyperemesis gravidarum where you throw up all the time. And like anybody who's ever been pregnant is like, yeah, no, I know this is a thing might happen to my friend or it happened to me. Right. But there's this huge divide between the things you know before you go through this process and the things you don't. Right. And Why? I mean, like, why is it so secretive? And I know that there's just a lot to take in. So I think there's some level of just like, how much are you going to retain? And when, you know, half the thing is like, I don't know if you should eat sushi, you know, all this like rules. And I can understand that it's it's hard to also be like, and this might happen. And right there was. (laughs) And also, you're not interested till you're interested. Like, I'm not sitting around at bars at 22 being like, hey, let's talk about pregnancy complications. Like, there's a reason you don't know it because you don't care, you know, but. By the time you really know and start caring, it's kind of a short window to get up to speed on all the stuff you didn't know. I remember a friend of mine sent me this super comprehensive list of like, here's the actual things you do, like the items that you do need for the first, you know, whatever, let's say six months of having a baby in your life, because, you know, the products are overwhelming. And then at the end of her email of all these things, she just said, you know, and it will be like this and this and this. And then by the time they're three, you kind of get back your life. And I remember just being like, three, three years. <laughs> but it's good advice, right? But in the end, kind of true. It's good advice. I mean, I really, I was such an idiot in some ways because I forgot or did not know that I would want to spend time with the baby. I was like, yeah, this thing is much like your successful friend who is wandering the streets with a 10 day old baby being like, yeah, no, I'm back at work. I thought that was going to be me. I really did. I did not anticipate like, maybe I just want to check this out. Yeah. Hang for a out together. We got three years. <laughs> so that's what they should teach in parenting classes. Some of you might be going, I can't wait. And other of you might be going like, I have no idea what I'm doing. And you're like, guess what? You might like your baby. <laughs> this just in. It could happen. <laughs> I want to talk about what's your mom worst 
This could be lice. It could be hand, foot, and mouth disease. It could be sleep regression. It's individual. It's collective. What is the worst? What is your mom worst? Oh, there's so many. This is the problem with the mom's worst. There's so many. Picture the uh, tournament of champions, you know, like which makes it to the middle. Yeah. One that just came up, and I think it's because I saw a photo in my, just scrolling through my phone, is that we live in New York and we got COVID. And we felt like we had to leave our apartment building because it was New York and we felt so dense and our neighbors were freaking out that we had COVID. It was pretty early in the situation. And we were sick, but we were not super sick. Like we could get in a car and drive. So very nicely, a friend who had a house was like a little bit in the woods said you can be there for a week just like Clorox everything I don't know it was such a different mentality so we went and we were frantic and we were sick and my son also was sick and we came in and he was just sitting like I was like just color you know while we're trying to figure out this place that we're in and like we couldn't understand stuff and it was like the window and this and all the stuff and where's the bedding and he and I yelled at him like three times kind of mean and stressed. I was stressed. I was just so stressed and worried. And yeah, sick. <laughs> and then I came back and he was sitting beside a puddle of urine. Oh, <laughs> he had to go to the bathroom. He was potty trained, but he, we were so out of control that he didn't feel like he could ask where, where the, bathroom the bathroom was, was and he didn't know where it was. Aww. So he just <laughs> peed on the floor. And what did I do? Did I say, oh my good, I'm I'm so sorry? No, I yelled at him. <laughs> Why did you pee? <laughs> What's wrong with you? There's bathrooms. We're inside. Yeah. And then I had to just take it down. Take it down, mom. Totally shaming a child. This is why I think mom podcasts have a lot to offer the world, because when we talk about our worst moments, you think that's like fifth on my list of mom bads. You know what I mean? When someone says like this was the worst moment, people hear it and they're like, first of all, I feel better about my worst. And also some of my worst are worse than that. And so it, it just helps the perspective field of the worsts are not that bad. Of course, all kids have I'd say this. All kids have peed on the floor. I think all kids have peed on the floor. But I think that felt just so bad because I was just yelling. We were both just yelling at him the whole time for just being a small, scared child. So, ah, well, you know, he wrote a picture later, uh, drew a picture and just said, with bad spelling, of course, because he was too young, just said, I am sorry for peeing because we filled him with shame. <laughs> this is going to be character building. A lot of our experts talk about kids need more grit. And listen, your kid is getting grit. Ugh. Think of the grit. And then as an adult, you're like, could I please not have another character building experience? Would that be possible? Could I? <laughs> no, yeah, exactly. I'm all set. Thanks, growth experiences. I'm all set. Ophira, tell us about everywhere that everybody listening can find you and your comedy and your writing, everything. You can find me on the socials at Ophira E. My name is spelt with a PH in case that's confusing. At Ophira E. You can find uh, Parenting is a Joke wherever you get your podcasts. If you have the iHeart app, you can go to that. But, you know, wherever you get your podcasts. If you don't know how to get a podcast by now, people, I don't know what to tell you. I'm going to give 30 podcasts for Christmas presents. 
Is that a good guess? You could give ours. Start us. Top of the list. That'd be funny. Just grab someone's phone and just load it up with podcasts on uh, Christmas Eve. I gave them all five stars. Enjoy. I actually would like that gift. I would actually like that gift. I'll put a link to Ophira's social and parenting is a joke in the show notes. So it's super easy. You can start listening right now. Ophira, thanks for talking to us today. Thanks for talking to us. And I will say for our audience who loves to laugh and a little tiny bit of learning, great podcast for you. Parenting is a joke. Thank you so much, you guys. Are the best. Well, hey there, busy mama. Are you looking for ways to make your life easier, your home less chaotic, and at the same time, add more joy to your life? My name is Deanna Yates, and I'm the host of Wanna Be Clutter Free, a podcast all about letting go of the stuff we don't need in our lives so that we can focus on what truly matters. Don't worry, I'm not going to tell you to throw it all away or make you feel guilty about keeping something you love, no matter how many other people don't quite understand it. But I will give you practical and, more importantly, actionable advice so that you can make progress right away. And you won't just hear it from me. There are amazing guests, too. It's like having your bestie in your pocket, telling you it's okay to let go of the things that are not serving you and your family in a totally non-judgmental way. So join me over on the podcast where we can work on progress over perfection for those of us that want to be clutter-free. Hi there, I'm Andrea Owen, self-help author with 19 translations of my books, global keynote speaker, and life coach. My podcast, Make Some Noise, has been serving up self-help in a simple-to-digest way for the last decade. The topics brought in each episode are practical and easy to implement around topics such as working through fears that keep you stuck, different modalities of therapy, managing your negative self-talk, and more. We bring you guest experts, solo episodes, and I even coach listeners on the air around relatable struggles. I also do my best to weave my sense of humor into some heavy topics because let's face it, life can be pretty hard and it's so much better when we can have some fun while walking through our challenges. Whether you're seasoned in personal development or just starting out, Make Some Noise podcast will help you become the best version of yourself, the person you're proud of when you look in the mirror and show up in your life. Simply search Make Some Noise with Andrea Owen wherever you listen to your podcasts.